This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. I'm Melissa Idris with Kusu Chuang and Joyce Go. Now, the disappearance of the Saudi Arabian journalist Jamal Khashoggi earlier this month in Istanbul has rocked the international community and tarnished the somewhat progressive image of the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. After initially denying any involvement in his, in his disappearance, Saudi Arabia has now admitted that Khashoggi was murdered. And um, we have joining us on the line now Dr. James Dorsey, Senior Fellow at the S. Rajiv Ratnam School of International Studies in Singapore to help us understand what it's what is at stake for those involved. Now, good morning, James. Thanks for joining us. I'd like to start with the latest, namely Saudi's latest explanation for Khashoggi's disappearance. We have the Saudi foreign minister now saying that the act was a tremendous mistake and that uh, he has denied the crown prince ordered the operation. Could you help explain the way Saudi Arabia's position um, on the disappearance has changed over the last few weeks? I think that the one thing that everyone would agree with uh, the foreign minister is that it was a big mistake. <clears throat> Whether uh, Jamal Khashoggi's killing was intentional or not, the Saudis have played this very badly. They initially, for the longest period of time, denied that Khashoggi had been killed, said that he had left the uh, consulate after visiting it, visiting it to get his divorce papers. Uh, although there was no evidence that he had left and he was nowhere to be found. They subsequently said that there was a uh, a brawl and that in the brawl he was killed. They then said that he was uh, supposed to be basically forced to return to Saudi Arabia and that in the encounter in the consulate with a group of men who had flown in specifically to either convince him to go back voluntarily or to take him back, that he had been put in a chokehold because he had been um, shouting and that, uh, by mistake, he was killed. And now you have the foreign minister saying, we don't know what happened. So, with other words, there's very little consistency and very little uh, credibility to what Mm. the Saudis are saying, and everything's going to rest now on what the Turkish Prime Minister reveals when he speaks tomorrow. Right. Well, James, why has um, Jamal Khashoggi's disappearance sparked such strong international reactions? I mean, he's not the first journalist to be supposedly killed by a regime that he criticised. I think there's several reasons. First of all, Jamal was uh, maybe not a household name before his killing, but he was a very well-known, widely respected journalist who was very well connected, not only within the Saudi ruling family, but also in world capitals, including Istanbul and Washington. Second of all, and this is unprecedented, it happened in the consulate of Saudi Arabia in a foreign country. With other words, he wasn't knocked off as it happened with a Hamas operative in Malaysia uh, some time ago by someone on a bike who disappears. This was very traceable. Um, I think there's a a third reason, and that has to do with, in a sense, with psychology. So, with other words, we, you and I, when we talk about millions being killed or millions being on the... uh, Uh, on the edge of starvation, for example, in Yemen, those are abstract figures. They're they're humongous, and we don't relate to them on a 
personal level. When it's one person you can relate to, and particularly one person who moves in the circles um, of power that, that decide whether these things become uh, a big issue or not, then it's much, you know, you relate to it much more, um, uh, much more directly, and people who know him or knew of him relate to it much more directly. And that makes it uh, much more, uh, a much more emotional issue on the one hand, but also much more of an issue you cannot ignore. Mm. James, at what point does this clear obfuscation of truth by the Saudi government harm the um, Saudi Arabia's expediency from an investment perspective to the rest of the world, particularly in terms of how Saudi supplies oil to the rest of the world and also the fact that Saudi Aramco wants to sell its shares to the global investment community? Well, I think there are three things. One, it's already severely damaged uh, relationships. So you have an investment conference in Saudi Arabia that starts tomorrow, in which basically the Western business and political leadership will be absent because they do not want to be associated with it. Now, that does not mean that business has stopped. Business is continuing. However, as this whole thing unfolds, the Turkish prime minister reveals details, and if one assumes that those details will confirm what anonymous Turkish sources have been saying for the last three weeks, and if he indeed provides the evidence to back those assertions up, uh, then we will probably start to see action against Saudi Arabia, and that could affect business. With regard to Aramco, let's not forget the initial public offering for Aramco has been indefinitely delayed. So that will not be affected immediately. James, what kind of narrative do you think Mohammed bin Salman will present to the rest of the world at this investment conference where he's scheduled to speak? Well, I think that the Saudi effort at this moment is to try and ensure that Mohammed bin Salman is not affected by this crisis, and that will be very difficult. The Saudis have played this very poorly. So, for example, had when on the day or the day after uh, the disappearance of Jamal, had the Saudis, for example, wheeled out a consular office who would have said, oh, yes, he was here. I gave him his divorce papers and he walked out. Or from the beginning said something went wrong here. Mm. Um, he was he died in the consulate uh, and this was not the purpose of the exercise. Then they may not have been able to maintain the moral high ground, but they would have maintained some degree of credibility. Right. They, they haven't. So the crown prince walks into this, um, into this uh, investment conference with his credibility and image severely tarnished. James, now, you know, ahead of that Davos in the desert, do you think that the Saudis have any support in the international community at this point in time? Yes, they do. But the question is whether that support is really going to help them. Who's, so who's it from? Words, so, so with other words... They do not have support on this issue from the United States, from Europe, and presumably other democracies, will, if this progresses the way it's progressing, will find it increasingly difficult to remain on the sideline. Now, autocratic countries or authoritarian countries like Russia and China uh, are not going to be deterred by this. Well, the thing is, Malaysia has said that our bilateral ties with Saudi remains strong despite this case. Now, what do you make of that, James, in terms of where 
the impact that this could have on Malaysia-Saudi relations? Well, first of all, what is strong? You have seen in the uh, you've seen remarks by by your prime minister that have been critical of uh, Saudi Arabia in connection with the one MDB scandal. You've had the closure of the King uh, Salman Counterterrorism Center in Kuala Lumpur. And you have a defense minister who has been very critical before becoming uh, defense minister of the Saudis. So relationship, the relationship has already changed uh, since Mohammed Mahathir has come to, to office. Uh, I think that the <clears throat> Malaysians have sat on the sidelines, and that's fair enough, as this crisis unfolds. But if, indeed, uh, the evidence is such that this was a planned killing and maybe even a very gruesome killing, and at least the Western world responds to that with sanctions, it'll become more difficult for, um, for, Mal- for Malaysia to remain on the sidelines, certainly if it wants to be credible in speaking up on human rights and other issues. Mm. There's been some weakness in oil prices, both on the West Texas as well as the Brent front, James. Do you think there'll be some sustained, there'll be, there'll be more um, poorer sentiment for seeping to the oil market as a result of this, or partly as a result of this? It could, depending on what, uh, what action is taken, if action is taken by, by the United States, by Europe. And how, and how that impacts on oil supplies. I think one thing is, is key here. The notion that the Saudis and some people have tried to present that the United States is dependent on Saudi oil is one that is wrong. Uh, and Saudi Arabia, of course, has been shifting its, um, its focus in terms of its oil exports towards primarily China, Korea, India, Japan. Japan, Korea are likely, if you get sanctions, are likely to be affected by that and, and, and will not be able to remain silent. Russia, China, of course, will be able to. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights on this matter. That was Dr. James Dorsey, Senior Fellow at the S. Rajaratnam School of International Studies in Singapore. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.